0: This is Hillary. Hello, this is Hannah. Welcome back to Generational Differences. We are so excited this week to have our first guest on our podcast today. We have chef Chris Chum with us. Woo. Chris and I we got connected through a like super randomly through a friend of mine that I actually met years back. I feel like 6 years, like when I was in law school or 6 or 7 years ago when I um I don't it's like some I got, I got, don't know even know how I ended up at this panel, but I ended up at this panel in New York um, about Asian American issues. Maybe it wasn't in law school, maybe it was after. but time is truly an illusion at this point. And so I connect got connected to Sophia and Sophia knows Chris. Um, and then she just reached out to us. Um, and we're so excited to have Chris on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and before <laughs> yeah, Chris, do you want to say hi
1: yeah sure uh yeah so uh you know i'm glad to be on with you guys and uh yeah so it's uh uh sylvia's a good friend and uh she um she's done a lot um of reaching out and you know what i think what brought it brings us all together is those issues that you just mentioned um as uh i got older and uh basically more uh career-minded as i was uh, as i climbed up the ladder so so uh, so to speak yeah, um, those those issues became very much more important to me.
2: Thank you so much um, again for agreeing to come on this episode, Hillary, Do you want to talk a little bit about what we're talking about today?
0: Yeah. Well, first, I want to give Chris a better introduction. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna jump generational discussions. But <clears throat> Chef Chris Chung is a New York native and grew up in the heart of Chinatown in New York. Um, He was brought up around great Cantonese food, studied cooking at the New York restaurant school, and has worked alongside many iconic chefs and in many four-star kitchens, including as part of the original kitchen staff that opened Nobu. He has also owned his own restaurants, and he is currently the chef and owner of East Wind Snack Shop in New York where he quote unquote chases the perfect dumpling, a very admirable goal um, and has garnered a lot of recognition and several awards, including best new restaurant in 2017 from Thrillist. He has competed on the Food Network, showed Anthony Bourdain around New York Chinatown on No Reservations, appeared on Bon Appetit videos, which I love, uh, and served as a judge on Beat Bobby Flay. He also formed the Asian Food Mafia, a group with other outstanding chefs, which we wanna hear more about. Um, And his latest accomplishment in this very long list is the release of his cookbook called Damn Good Chinese Food. And so with all of that, that was clearly a very long and impressive bio. Um, But Chris, is there anything else you wanna tell us about yourself? You know, growing up in Chinatown, your family, um, anything you wanna share um, about yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. Um, Yeah, it always sounds, um, it sounds very cool to have your bio read to you.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) It's been, yeah, it's been a long journey. Uh, I've come up the way uh, for many years now. Um, But yeah, um, you know, adding to uh, what you said, you know, the, the, you know, I guess you can kind of chop up your career and your life into kind of sections. And, uh, you know, early on it was uh, not knowing what to do and uh, falling into the industry as far as the restaurant industry goes, and the industry has been very, very good to me. Uh, and then, you know, you have to pay your dues and, uh, and you know, work really hard to get where you uh, want to get to, uh, even if you don't really have goals at the moment. And um and then and then this you know this last chapter I guess uh you know um, having a, a successful restaurant, uh, Eastman snack shop's been around for almost seven years. Uh, we've had multiple locations and uh you know we've gotten a lot of great um, attention from the press, you know uh, New York Times, and New York magazine, um, you know uh, publications like that it's been really good to me. And then uh yeah uh, you know, got, do some got to be on some TV, which is always fun, and i uh, <laughs> on a really cool book podcast like yours. Uh, and uh, and then I wrote this book, and this book has come out, uh, you know, it's damn good Chinese food, and it got released uh, just no, in November of this past uh year, and um, and uh, it's going well. So, uh, yeah, uh, in a happy state right now, um, uh, you know, especially if you want to factor in that you know, nobody's been really truly happy in these last couple of years mm-hmm. with the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know.
2: Well, yeah, congratulations on your book release.
1: <laughs> yeah, the book the book release, um, uh, you know, a first time for me. I'm a first time uh, author. And uh, so, um, you know, it was, uh, it, it, you know, as a matter of fact, the book was written during the COVID, or, what mm. can I say, the COVID quote unquote layoff uh, where uh, people's, you know, uh, life, um, I guess, uh, routines definitely changed and it was yeah. more, kind of stay at home and uh and not go out even for like you know uh, like a simple thing like a walk you know those, those things were all cut out so uh you know being at home being in front of the computer uh for many more hours than you used to um you know the book kind of uh was a a nice way to kind of uh I guess pass through the time uh, uh you know the kind of the time waves the tidal waves of time that that happened during uh during that uh that period so um and, and And, you know, just to go through all these things for the first time in in that kind of sense, uh, and then having the book released, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's all kind of surreal, weird. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, going off of what you were saying about kind of, like the early phases of falling into the restaurant business and finding like your love for food and things like that and then making it a career could you tell us a little bit more about how you ended up um pursuing that as a passion like food and restaurant and cooking and like where that influence came
2: from
1: um yeah i'll be brutally honest i (laughs) i was a kid growing up in chinatown and uh you know chinatown at the time was uh kind of a rough place to live We, we we were a bunch of kids, we hung out, hung out on the corner, uh, got into trouble, uh, and then you know, we looked around at each other and we were all, you know, by then, about 18, 19 years old, going on 20 maybe. and uh, you know, like some of us realized we can't be doing this for the rest of our lives. And uh, we kind of looked toward at that point you kind of looked towards something to do. Now some of my other friends were very college oriented and they uh, you know, and they had a they, they had a plan. And uh, you know they, you know that plan meant school and um, and, and and getting a job out of school and, and going that way. For the rest of us, that kind of, you know, school wasn't the path that we knew that we had to take. Uh, we had to find different avenues. And and then uh, so you know I'm kind of hanging out one day, and a friend of mine goes, uh, you know, who was working at the times, like you know, you want to help me cook in the kitchen, and I'm like, does it pay? And he's like, it paid a little. And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, so they hired me as a prep cook. Uh, I was actually, that was my first job as a, as a, uh, in the kitchen. It was in Caroline's Comedy Club, Times Square in New York. And, uh, and so uh, that was a great two weeks of work before they fired me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it, it, it got me the introduction to the kitchen that I needed. And I kind of liked it. And then I, uh, that's when I decided to, uh, Keep in that industry, and uh, I haven't looked back since. Wow,
0: that's really interesting. So, was your first job, was that Chinese food, or was that a different type? Of
1: food? No, no, no. That was okay. a that was a prep cook in a comedy club's kitchen right. where they served things like chicken fingers and hamburgers oh, okay. and crudite, <laughs> and uh, my job was to uh, I, I I learned how to cut a carrot in the week that I was there, uh, and you know not like cut a carrot. Like, you know, when they told me to cut the carrot, you know, I had never cut one before. So you cut it the way you think you should be cutting (laughs) it. uh, And, you know, you find out that there's actually a technique to cutting vegetables, (laughs) you know, uh, beyond just peeling it. And uh, and there are actual proper names for the cuts. Mm. And there are uh, basically, you know, um, rules for how large the cuts have to be. All of stuff that I had no idea about and had to learn the hard way.
2: yeah
0: so i guess um going off of that i'm curious then how you got into chinese food or like got in touch with um or i don't know yeah like how you how your identity was as like a chinese person in new york and how that might have changed um as you were exploring your career in food
1: yeah so uh you know some good and some bad with that i i um so i Went to cooking school, and then out of cooking school, I did my first job. Started as an intern uh, with uh, John George's Vong, and Vong at the time was a pretty much one of the jewels of New York, a very very high end, uh, the first of its kind Thai uh, Thai restaurant mm-hmm. that was basically created by a Frenchman who uh, worked in Thailand for many years, and um, and he brought that to New York at a time when, I guess, Asian cuisine was starting to have a sort of renaissance and a first introduction to, like, uh, multiple Asian cuisines, a lot of it under one roof in what we call big box Asian restaurants. And you had lots of different influences. Uh, Ruth Reichel uh, became the new reviewer for the New York Times for restaurants in a time when the New York Times restaurant rating review was its strongest uh, point ever. And and you had all of these great large restaurants uh, showing off their stuff. Uh, Some were, um, uh, I guess, origin in uh, Asian cuisine by Asian people uh, and others were not. But they all kind of uh, collided at once on the new york restaurant scene so mm-hmm. um going back i uh i kind of got caught up in that and uh, i loved mm-hmm. that uh that energy and excitement and i started to uh wanted to uh work in a lot of these restaurants um however uh, a lot of these restaurants were more i guess sided with japanese cuisine and thai cuisine with some chinese cuisine uh uh mixed mm-hmm. into it and um and then so you know, I did my rounds with that. And, and then the, I guess the error was over. Uh, and, you know, when kind of things uh, start to, uh, I guess, push themselves up again, and, uh, you know, you have to make decisions on where you want to go with your career. You know, I kind of fell back at that point in my, uh, in my timing to, um, <clears throat> uh, to uh, pursue a knowledge, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I wanted to really learn as much as I could about the cuisine that I grew up in uh in in and and that's eating Chinese food and and I kind of um I guess uh, dug deep into all the stuff that I ate as a kid and uh kind of try to emulate uh, uh all those dishes in my mind uh to a purpose to try to uh to try to learn all that food uh in the shortest amount of time.
0: Yeah, and who um in your home did most of the cooking growing up?
1: Yeah, so um I basically lived in two households i lived in uh chinatown where we grew up uh and where my mother grew up uh, actually uh to tell you the truth it goes back to my grandfather so my mm-hmm. grandfather uh came to chinatown in new york in the early 1900s and you're talking i think like 1910 or 1920 wow. and um he settled in in Mott street in chinatown and uh, I guess a few more years later, I don't know exactly the timeline, I'm sure it had something to do with the Exclusion Act, uh, my grandmother was able to come and join him. And when they got here, um, they, you know, they raised five sisters and one, uh, awesome. one and, uh, and one son, so it was a pretty big family in a tenement uh, that was a two-bedroom tenement, and it was, uh, you know, we had um, you know, just the picture we had, like, you know, the bathtub was in the kitchen, um, and, you know, you had the old clothesline that, uh, stretched across the front yard to another person's apartment, and you kind of like, you know, it had a kind of, I guess it was by, uh, by telepathic powers that each side of the family knew when to put their laundry out and when not to because the other family would be using it a lot, uh, you know, uh, things yeah. like that that you don't have to think about anymore, I guess. Um, and, uh, and so we grew up in that apartment and, uh, um, and really, I, I, uh, my grandmother cooked in, in, okay. in that house and, uh, you know, she cooked with uh, my aunt and my mother and uh, all the kids, my cousins, uh, would always, you know, we'd always be in the house and, you know, it was, it was cooking and, and, and uh, and eating and, and things like, uh, you know, uh, just experiencing, like, you know, we were allowed to go downstairs and go get, like, orders from uh, from the Chinese restaurants and the cafes uh, when we were, like, you know, four or five years old. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was kind of like the door was always open. You could kind of go back and forth as you want. And Chinatown was a community that was very small, and everybody looked out for each other. There was no, you know, phone, social media. Uh, mm-hmm. There was no internet. So I guess there wasn't much to do. So you watched the kids. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh and you watched the other people's kids and your neighbor's kids and and uh and you were I guess uh, I, and you know I guess uh, you know tying it to uh, some of the things that you guys talk about um you know the there were different ties that held the community together at that yeah. point and um and uh, a lot of that centered around uh um uh, just trying to live the way you had to live uh trying to earn as much money so you could put food on the table because we were all poor. Uh, and, uh, and then protection from the community in general. And, that, and that, that goes through a lot of different avenues when you talk about that, because Chinatown was a way different place than it was now. Uh, but getting back to the original question, so mm-hmm. then we lived in Brooklyn as well. My mother, yeah. uh, we had an apartment in Brooklyn. So my mother would get home during the weekdays and I'd you know, have things like you know, uh, like the toys on dishes that I grew up with, but it would mm-hmm. also have things like chopped up hot dogs on rice. <laughs> or, or, or you know things like that, or you know uh, every now and then uh, you know uh, McDonald's, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we lived in our so sometimes I would go over to my friends' houses and and I tried like things that I've never seen before, like lasagna, mm. and you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 so uh, so I was brought up around a lot of food, and and at a time where it was uh, mainly home cooked
0: yeah that's amazing to hear and to hear like all your descriptions of what chinatown felt like back then as a community um hana and i also grew up around a lot of amazing chinese food what we call the best chinese food uh, in the world which is just our dad's and our grandma's cooking as well
1: and nothing bad <laughs> i agree 100 yeah. yes. yes
0: yeah and actually um our dad used to be in the restaurant business a lot in uh in portland oregon and so he he and our mom came in like the late 80s early 90s and his first job that he was able to get was in a restaurant as like a bus boy because that was like the connection that chinese immigrants had to the area unless they were coming for school like it was just that was the restaurant business was where all of them went and so yes doesn't this
1: business love everyone <laughs> love everyone that comes into this business. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're yeah. from, what you do. As long as you can roll your sleeves up and get through the day, we love you.
2: Yeah,
0: That's so true. That's so true. And then he also worked his way up to be like a waiter. And then he ended up actually owning his own restaurant as well. So he owned like a Citron restaurant in Oregon for, I think, seven years mm-hmm. uh, before he made a career change. But... Like, Hana and I grew up running around the aisles of our dad's restaurant, like, helping him fold napkins, eating leftover, like, kung pao chicken. Uh, And it's, like, for me, at least, because I think I was, like, a, I guess I was a preteen or early teenager. um, They're very vivid, very wonderful memories. And then when I talk to our dad, it's kind of that same story of, like, really trying to get by, really, you know, wanting, needing to make money and, like, pay for the rent. And, like, it was actually a very stressful time for him. Yeah. Um, And so it's interesting. It's always interesting to me to talk to other Chinese people about, like, how food and restaurants and, like, these such, like, quintessential immigrant experiences show up in our lives across, you know, different generations. Because all three of us are, I think, from at least vaguely
2: different generations. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah but you're lucky at least even told you. Most of the time, they're not even going to tell you what they were going through at that point. Mm, you know, it, the, the plan worked for them. He, they were able to put food on the table and you grew up as a happy kid.
2: Yeah. That's no, all that's... That was
1: needed. That was yeah. all that's needed. Uh, they didn't need to tell you. And I'm sure his, I guess, um, his routine of the day um, might have been something that you guys looked upon and that was just how it was. But when you're faced with waking up at 9 a.m., Help the, maybe even earlier, help the kids, help help the mother, you know, mm-hmm. with the kids and do whatever they got to do and then go to work and then facing it 12 to 14 hour workday. And I'm got to yeah. tell you that, you know, I know you guys were kind of, you know, running through the aisles and you know, playing <laughs> with the restaurants, but, you know, when he's in the back there uh, prepping vegetables as oh, a yeah. waiter, uh, and on his downtime and then having, you know, to deal with the rushes of of, uh, of customers that come in and just working that working that workday um, six, probably, probably sometimes seven days a week without complaint. Um, you know, uh, you know, the only rewards that they got was that knowing that, you know, rent was paid, food was on the table, you guys were happy. And, you know, the two to three really good meals that they cooked up for themselves that day
0: yeah absolutely and i think like now we know some of what our dad went through and he yeah he definitely he got up at like seven was helping with um house stuff but then would be wouldn't be home until like midnight or one like we barely saw him on the weekdays yeah and so like we kind of knew that it was something he was doing like it, yeah like you said it was just the reality and then it wasn't until like very recently now i'm like almost 30 and we only recently we um, were able to talk to him about like what those years actually felt like for him um, and all of the things he did to like protect us from that stress like we didn't feel any of that we were just try- expected to like go to school and you know go to piano lessons and like, be happy and enjoy the time at the restaurant and so I think that brings up complicated emotions for us now like looking back mm-hmm. like all of the stuff that our parents went through um, but yeah I appreciate I really appreciate what what you said
1: yeah, that's uh, and that's you know you have that in common with so many people that have uh, you know uh, that came over here uh, and 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 did those things and and worked that hard, um, you know it, it's it's the it's the story of all of us. It's, the, it's how we got the American dream.
0: And actually, I guess since we're talking about like parents and children, um, you mentioned to us as we were you know preparing for this podcast that you have a teenage son. Um, who's also American born Chinese, who also grew up in the same borough and city in New York, who even went to the same high school as you. Um, and I'm just curious, like what kind of generational differences you really see with your son, despite all of these very specific similarities?
1: Well, it sounds like <laughs> this should be a carbon copy of me uh, because of all the things that you just mentioned. However, I'm going to tell you that uh, that is the farthest from the case. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we live in the same borough, uh, born in the same city. I uh, went to the same high school. Uh, we have the same ethnicity uh, and, but all those things uh, in his generation have a different tale and made him a different person than it did me. Um, and uh, you know, You know, uh, as far you know, you could kind of start with the good and the bad, um, but uh, you know, you know, there is definitely a big uh, difference in the generation growing up. You know, I guess one of the things that you can point to is the digital age now. Um, Mm -hmm. The digital age has definitely changed um, habits. So you know, just talking about that is, you know, I guess there was a lot of, you know, when you're growing up. Uh, without that stuff, because, you know, now I'm, you know, now I have a phone and I have a computer and, you know, uh, you find yourself uh, going down all the rabbit holes like everybody else. And I guess as a kid, you're more susceptible to those things. But, you know, uh, you pay for that in time. So, you know, if you're into, you know, what most kids are into, you know, nobody can get away from the uh, from the computer and the phone anymore. Um, if you maybe rewind back 40 years you know, 35 years when um, there was absolutely none of that. Uh, You're talking, you know, the thing that held us in the household uh, as a family uh, was just food uh, Mm -hmm. and the TV, which had about eight channels. Um, And like, you know, it's a TV back in those days. So you had eight, nine channels, but only four of them really were. And you had to get up to change the channel. So it usually stayed on (laughs) one channel all day. Uh, <laughs> so when that happens, uh, you tend to go out and you tend to hang out with your friends a little bit more. And in the environment of Chinatown, now he, you know, he didn't grow up directly in Chinatown, but he has, you know, we had he has family in in Chinatown, and he, you know, he is familiar with Chinatown. But uh, Chinatown back in those days was like a war zone. Uh, uh, didn't even know it. I mean, I was as a kid, you kind of those things kind of just uh, bounce off of you, and you really don't really think about it. As as a father now, if I had a uh, let my son go into basically a gang zone every day, mm-hmm. I'd have a heart attack, I really would. Um, but back in those days, that's what it was you know, you grew up in uh, um, in on Mott Street and you hung out with your friends on Mulberry Street, which means you had to pass uh, one, two, probably three gang ha- hangouts to get to your friends. Uh, and you know, when you're coming back home for dinner on any given weekend night, um, sometimes that tends to be a little bit crazy and dangerous, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but you know, you kind of, um, it toughens you up a little bit. Uh, you know, if you can do that, nothing really scares you. And then uh, if you, you know, have to, um, you know, pass through uh, two other gang hangouts to get your favorite food, and you're willing to fight through that, you know you love food. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, so, so, you know, one of the, you know, one of the biggest differences is they're, uh, I think a little bit more cerebral. Uh, I think, um, they, uh, they have enough more time to think and they're not wasting thoughts, uh, so much on, uh, on the stressors of the simple things like, you know, uh, how am I going to, uh, you know, what, you know, who, what am I going to do today, uh, you know, as far as, uh, um, uh, getting up, getting changed, go out and hang out with your friends, and then, you know, no, not knowing what kind of trouble you're going to get into that day uh, in that sort of sense. Um, you know, I think the day for today's kids is, uh, you know, you get up and, you know, obviously there's some schooling involved, which there was for me, but I definitely. You know my kid's smart. You know uh, um, he's got good grades. He's got good SAT scores. He studies. Uh, I didn't. I didn't at all. It was more. Um, it was more just street survival for me. So you know schooling, schoolwork was always just the second thought. Just something that you had to uh, get done. Otherwise, you get the wrath of your mother, or you know you have to explain to your teachers why you get, didn't get it done. But it wasn't really that important. Uh, I feel like in um, and, and today's kids, it's uh, it's a longing to do better. think it's uh, you they want to do better on their SAT scores they want Mm -hmm. to do better on their on their in their school work for the most part um, in my generation it was it was cool to be dumb (laughs)
0: you know
1: know, the question would be you know amongst the friends how many classes did you fail this this, this semester and you you know you know if they failed more than you uh, you know you didn't want to tell them that you you know you failed less than them Uh, so you know the things that we went through Um, yeah Uh, so that that, you know just to start off the conversation I'll give you
2: that yeah that's really interesting I like that you mentioned the digital age because that's definitely very true and one thing that I thought about when you were talking about how we're more cerebral is something our mom has always said to us is that she basically says that we're more sheltered more privileged and we have the privilege of having more time to focus on things that are beyond like you said the stressors of life and like you know, surviving basically.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. I think I see a lot more kids, including mine. They'll walk the streets or be on the train and, you know, headf- headphones, plugged <laughs> in, looking yeah. at the phone, not looking up. I worry about, you know, I worry about today's kids crossing the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, uh, it's just one of those things. So they, they definitely, uh, on the good side, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the things like, uh, you know, computer and phone have, I think, given them a, a, a better structure uh, and a better, I guess, um, I guess, a better window into uh, uh, some parts of the world that we could never even imagine to dive into when we were kids, and uh, much more knowledgeable about things. And you know, you know, when you when you have an argument these days and you can settle that argument just by clicking your phone and going on <laughs> Google, uh, it's just crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, I, it sounds like a simple thing, but you know, uh, we, you know. Um today, you know, uh you know, this plus this, uh what do you call the, made this happen? No, 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 it was this plus this made this happen. All right, so you, you know, you, you Google it and oh okay, you're right. You know, back then <laughs> it, was, it ended in a fist fight. got <laughs> <laughs> you know, out first lost the lost the argument, you know. Um so it's <laughs> definitely uh some uh you know uh, uh things have gotten some better. Although, you know, I gotta tell you that, you know, like when when I see that with kids, uh, you know, on the phone with the earphones on, and uh, you know, totally cut off from the world, you know, especially going on the train. If you're, you know, as from New York, you know, these days, you're an Asian kid on the train in New York City. I got to worry for you because uh, there's a lot of things going on where um, uh, you you definitely should not be having your headphones on and your head in the air. Uh, uh, people from my generation, you wouldn't know it, but when you get on the train. You may not earmark everybody, but you're aware of every single person in that train, and uh, what they might be able to. Uh, i be, I guess, what your threat level is on mm-hmm. each person, and uh, you're totally aware of that in some sort of slightly subconscious way. Um, and you know, we learn to do things like you know, use the newspaper as, as as a tool. You know, when your head's buried, and I know there's no such thing as newspapers now, but, you know, if you have your newspaper, you could basically maneuver the newspaper so you could see everybody in the train, but then you don't have to make eye contact with anybody either. You bury your head. Nobody gets to see your face, so they can't mark you. Uh, and, um, and you know, when your stop is, is is there, you don't get up to the last second, uh, in some instances, if you feel threatened. Uh, none of these... Techniques I think kids today know about.
0: And do you feel like that's a good thing that they 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 don't know about it, or do you think it's like a naivety, or do you think it's no? um... I think
1: it's a great thing that they don't know about it. uh, If, in case there was a a world where they where it, it would mean that it equated to less danger. But now we live in a world where there's probably. 20 times as much danger, especially in the last couple of years in New York City on the train. But I, I, you know, I hate to keep parking on that, but that's just the reala- reality. Like, it does actually, it is starting to remind me of the New York that I grew up in the, mm. uh, in the 70s and 80s.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's crazy to hear. I mean, like, Hannah and I, we have done an episode on, and we, like, talk about the rise in, especially, like, anti-Asian violence, and you see a lot of big like headlines about new york and the subway and like we've seen all of the recent um attacks and things like that but obviously we don't live there we don't know how it actually feels so it's like pretty it's very interesting and a little jarring to hear you say that especially since you have had so many years of experience in like a ver- in like the same area
1: yes i'm not even i mean yes the anti-asian violence is a big thing I uh, actually I think uh and it's a big factor and I am uh, well aware and I and I and I uh I, I wanna make sure people know this is happening as much as possible. But mm-hmm. I think there's even a, a bigger scope. Um mm-hmm. it's about uh youth really. Um, you know, it, it, you know, people pray not just because of race, but they pray because mm-hmm. of weakness, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if they think that they um, can get over on you in some way because they're stronger than you. Um, mm. You know, a lot of times that's going to target um, some it's, it's people in race, but it's also going to target the young and the old as well. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So. Right,
0: right. As we're talking about these, you know, generation generational, I always say generational, but generational differences, I wonder, like, you started talking about, you know, how different the, the generation today, like, has certain... The ability to like focus more on school and focus more on like these cerebral things. I'm curious and then also how it's different from how you were growing up. I'm curious how you see the concept of the American dream uh, (laughs) and maybe how it's changed since you were growing up um, and maybe relatedly. Like how you think being Chinese American or identifying strongly as being Asian or being Chinese has changed?
1: Um, yeah, I think we've come a long way. I, uh, you know, to answer the last part of your question, you know, you're going to see um, an influx of Asians now being accepted into the mainstream. It, you know, a lot of times it starts with entertainment, and you're going to see right now you're seeing a lot more uh, Asian actors, and singers, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, uh, so. Um, in that sort of way, uh, you know, America kinda needs that. You know, they, that's that's you know, there's there's lots of places in America where there are very little Asian population and you know, uh you know, you'll and and to bring what we've got and our gifts and what we offer uh to the world uh into those homes uh even even if it is a very defined part and it's not uh, completely random or and it's more thought out than than being organic um I'd say it's for the good part right uh knowing them knowing that we actually have a place in this country um and uh, and and we have certain things to offer is always a good thing uh so you know when you look at the entertainment sectors uh you know you have guys like otani who's uh, um you know one of the top baseball players. And uh, now people can say, "Wow, you know, um, there's, uh, there's a great baseball player. And we, as Asians, can all be proud of him. Um, you know, uh, you're talking about uh, Asian uh, Asian actors and, you know, the, the Disney Shang-Chi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the Yao and the Star Trek, uh, and the mm. Star Trek um, series and things like that. Uh, that always makes me feel good. Uh, my wife is going to love this because she's a BTS fan. So I having the number one band in the world, the Asian, is you know, kinda cool, Very right? True. Um yes. yeah. So uh these these things, you know, all we had in my day was Bruce Lee. That, that, that's it. An icon. You know, which is still cool because he still is the guy
2: after a yeah. year, you know?
1: yeah. Um and uh and you know, but Bruce Lee doesn't I guess represent what uh, Asians have, you know, in every sort of uh, in some sort of way. He has certain gifts, but he doesn't define all of us. Uh, so we need a little bit more diversity in 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 the people that uh, I guess are the movers and shakers in the Asian community today. And uh, the more the merrier, for sure. Um, so uh, so I, I guess you know for that first that last part of your question, yes, I uh, I, I think that um, uh, you know. The American Dream uh, has started to expand, and it's uh, becoming a uh, it's becoming a wider uh, swing for us, and uh, and that's that's a great thing. Um, what it means and differences between my uh, my era and today's generation? Well, uh, just like your father's arc is probably not the same as your arc. Um, you guys don't have kids yet? Do
2: you have kids? No,
0: uh, no, I have cats.
1: Okay, so you know, if you guys ever have kids, um, um, you know, you're going to start to, I guess, have a more personalized relationship with the American dream. Um, and it, it, you're going to reflect on what your father's journey was that for, and that meant coming here, uh, probably dealing with um, a lot of isolation, uh, yes. because he's used to. Uh, at a place where everybody speaks his language. uh, Everybody is kind of, you know, has the same story and the same background uh, and everybody's familiar with each other uh, to a place where, um, you know, he feels like, you know, uh, everybody is, uh, you have to be wary of everybody. You have to, um, uh, you know, you have to trust people that you you didn't have to before, uh, things like that. And uh, you basically had to work twice as hard as the guy next to you or else, um, you know, you're going to be the one at the disadvantage. And you're always on that edge uh, and you have uh, kids to feed and, 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 you, and you know, you're closer to, to the poverty level uh, and, you know, you'll do anything to stay out of that. Um, now, we've up a couple of generations and story becomes, you know, uh, which college am I going to send my kid? And uh, how can he be better? Uh, how can he do better in his life than I did in my life? And, um, and so the American Dream becomes a little bit more fruitful and I think that's what it is. It, you know it, you, everybody kind of applauds that uh, that first part. You first get here, you work hard, and you're able to uh, do something for the next generation. Well, you know, when when you have, Asian Americans that have been here for a few generations, uh, you can start to see, uh, you know, that that whole idea of, um, you know, give your poor entire uh, work, because when you get uh, when you go forward a little bit, you're going to see that um, yes, you know, uh, it, it, you know, we have a lot of professionals, we have a lot of people that really can influence uh, what uh, uh, what successes uh, the uh, the neighborhood, the, the city uh, the country can have, uh, doctors, lawyers, uh, politicians, um, you know, and, uh, and, and more, and, and more smarter and more ambitious and more, uh, more talented. And, um, and that's what we have to have. And, and that's what's going to, uh, now define our community and define we are as a group in this country.
2: Yeah, do
0: you think that any of these, like, differences that you've observed or just, like, You know seeing the place you grew up in change all of that and like raising your son in the same at least area um has that affected your relationship with him either in like positive ways like in ways that you can support him or in like um you know points of conflict
1: um well you know um you know being raised in the same area uh it, it it it's brooklyn but brooklyn is two different things depending on what year you're talking about Um, So, I'm, you know, I'm happy that uh, he's uh, been raised in, uh, I guess, a safer environment. Uh, uh, You know, I'm happy that he's raised in a safer environment. I'm happy that we can uh, concentrate more on things like, you know, going to a better college. Uh, These are conversations that um, uh, were in a different tone uh, when I was his age so uh you know uh, uh the one thing i can say is i'm happy that it's better
2: that's
0: great yeah. all right hannah
2: go ahead oh i wasn't gonna add anything i just um really resonate like chris is saying a lot of things that our parents have also said to me and hillary <laughs> so yeah.
1: yeah so uh but i'm not saying to the, saying this to you shaking my finger now there's no judging <laughs> um, you know, I'm there with you now, i understand um uh, i will tell you okay so we're on that right um you know your parents will probably uh you know uh, when asked will say that uh, they raised uh two beautiful daughters um and there's nothing they would want to change and uh, they're very happy and everything uh everything turned out uh for the best but you know if you peel back a layer you know they may you know it may be a little bit that you don't speak the language is good mm-hmm. or or you or you didn't express a uh a, a yearning to learn the language
2: perfectly <laughs>
0: wow um, it's like you know us already <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um
1: uh that you may not follow every chinese new year tradition to the t, uh like they did yes you don't want to clean up uh before chinese new year hits and you don't want to tear apart the house and clean everything uh you know they're not gonna like that um uh they're not gonna like that you may not go and buy sun. Uh, the same way that they do uh for the ancestors and and go visit the uh the cemetery uh and, and have to visit that cemetery before the beginning of April um because that's the uh you know that's the time you have to go um so uh, and, and you know and of course you know um uh not wanting to eat certain dishes that they grew up on and you know they cook special but uh but you know we're kind of like uh, uh, it, it's okay you know <laughs> Eating, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that they'll they'll have those things. But you know what those those things um, uh, in in some part uh when you talk about the big picture uh, are in, are, in, are important maybe not so important uh when you think about some of those things but um uh in in terms of uh the general health of of our kids and um you know that they uh, that they grew up and did well uh and you can let some of those things go and you can kind of forgive them but when you get a little older and you realize that you want to, I guess, uh, um, really know your identity and who you came from and, and what, you know, what it was like for the generations before, uh, there might be some regret that, uh, yeah. that you thought like that uh, when you were younger.
0: Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Like I said, like, it sounds like you already know, like it's exactly that, like, <laughs> When, when I, was, I younger, was younger, I refused to go to Chinese school because it was <laughs> scary and <laughs> or like I just I didn't want to do that, that on my on a Saturday. Saturday. Um, and and then, then, then now, obviously, like 29, and I'm like, why? I'm like trying to learn Chinese on Duolingo and like mm-hmm. can't really read or write any. I, like we are also practicing speaking, and we're both like I would say semi-fluent, but not like totally, totally comfortable in Chinese. Um, and so there's a lot of regret there, especially for me with language. So, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, content. you could
1: have, you could pull off a conversation with somebody and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, it feels so great. And then you'll like watch a movie and they'll be like 15 minutes. Stuff. And you're like, I didn't understand a word that they just said. <laughs> yeah. That's, well,
0: actually, is our, your, since your family has been in the US for more generations than ours has, do your parents, like, are they, fluent in Chinese and they're like, um, have all of these different Chinese traditions that you mentioned still?
1: Oh, yeah. So, um, okay. you know, my grandparents came here and they were, see, it was a little bit different. Well, maybe not so different because I don't know, know you guys too well. So um, <laughs> you can tell me, um, you know, first talking about the language. So um, uh, weirdly enough, uh, so, you know, the language that was spoken in uh, my grandmother's house was Toisan. And that was okay. the, uh, that was the dominant language of Chinatown at the time. Mm. But funny enough, it, it changed. So, um, Toisan became Cantonese and now Cantonese has kind of given away in in, except in pockets in Chinatown, uh, to Mandarin. And, um, so it's weird that, uh, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you think you're, you're how, how can I say it? Like there'll be only Toisan speakers then there will only be Cantonese speakers. there will only be Mandarin speakers. And then there'll be some people who know all three. Mm-hmm. And so the, the language kind of gets a little bit uh, tricky to kind of navigate because, you know, you might be talking to somebody, who, you know, you know that's, uh, that doesn't know a word of what the conversation is going on in, in, uh, in Mandarin. You think, oh, they don't speak Chinese. But no, they speak fluent Cantonese or fluent Toisan. Um but now nobody really speaks those languages like like Toisan. You can't learn Toisan now. it's, mm. it's not on Duolingo. There's no <laughs> there's, there's nothing like there's no record of anything as far as teaching any recorded things of teaching Toisan. You have to basically go to the Toisan area in China, in the village. They don't even teach it like you know, uh like they don't even teach it in the schools, they only teach it at home. Uh, and so that's the only place where you're going to go get that language. Uh, and Cantonese is kind of starting to follow suit now uh, as Mandarin becomes more and more dominant. Uh, so, so that's kind of language. Is kind of weird. Um, uh, so my mother speaks Toisan um, like my grandmother spoke only Toisan. My grandfather spoke Toisan and a little bit of English. My mother only speaks Toisan, but she's picked up some Cantonese along the way. And, yeah. I've, yeah, and I've and i forgotten a lot of my poison, uh, and I've had to pick up more Cantonese because it's the, you know, at the time for me growing up, it was the more, uh, um, you know, it, it was what more people were speaking. So, uh, so that's how that went. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, a little confusing, I guess.
2: Wait, did you say
0: that you do or you don't speak Mandarin?
1: No Mandarin. Uh, no Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, you know, it's actually... Uh, growing up uh, a a part of the um, anti-Mandarin, not going to speak it, don't want to hear anything about it kind of thing. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Cantonese was hard hard enough. (laughs) Oh,
2: my gosh. Cantonese is hard. Yeah.
0: Our Our mom mom speaks speaks both, and our dad speaks Mandarin, Mandarin, and then, like, some Cantonese, like, like mostly, mostly I think, learning from her, and and, um, he he lived lived in Guangzhou for some time. But but actually, it's it's funny, funny because my my partner, my husband, husband, he... His family he's, is part Chinese, and, Chinese and their family, family is from Taishan, Taishan. Toysan. So that's, that's very interesting, interesting very specific uh, intersection there.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you'll, you know, um, there's a lot of toys. You'd, you'd be surprised, so many toys on in, in, uh, in America, especially yeah. here, um, I guess, on either of the coasts. So, uh, you you know, if you listen closely when you go into certain restaurants, you'll be able to pick that up where they're from. Uh, yeah. And it's always really cool when you hit toisan.
2: So it's, <laughs> It just... It yeah.
1: It's, it's one of those languages, languages if you, you know it, right? It's, it's one of those languages, languages that it's definitely a very characteristic language. I mean, I mean it I mean, you speak you know you, you speak, speak with the sides of your tongue and it, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely, uh, I, I would say very uh, heartwarming to hear it when you hear. Oh, it.
0: yeah, that's,
1: that's really nice. The other cultural differences, I think, is, uh, definitely, like I talk about, it is the loss of some of the traditions. I think, um, mm-hmm. uh, and the loss of some of the, uh, I guess, natural taste for food. So, you know, when you're talking about food, uh, if you're growing up in Chinatown uh, and you're growing up um, with uh, people who cook uh, home cooked meals in the home uh, for the family, uh, you get a taste for certain things. And you know, being uh, you know, it's not a, a it's not a rich household. So uh, a lot of the, the ingredients tend to be way more humble uh, mm-hmm. and a lot more of the uh, cheaper cuts of things like meat and things like that. And, uh, you know, um, and, and then, then you mix it with what the natural beauty of Chinese food is, uh, especially Toisan and Cantonese, uh, with a lot of preserved foods, uh, you know, preserved, you know, fried mushrooms, salted fish, uh, Chinese sausage, uh, Chinese, you know, lap, lap yoke, things like that. Um, which, you know, definitely have, uh, I guess, acquired taste. Some of them have acquired quiet taste of their own, you know, salted egg and, the, you know, 100-year-old egg, things like that. Um, you know, it, it's, you have to eat it because there is no, I'm not going to eat this, I just want a burger. Nobody's going to buy you that. Uh So whatever food you have in front of you is the food you have to eat. And then, if, you know, once you have, uh, I guess, accepted that food as a little kid, uh, later on in life when you're an adult it becomes a craving food uh things like oh man yeah I've not had that in years yeah. you know I uh, love that uh, and and then you get a chance to eat it and it just you know brings back the flood of memories uh, of when you're a kid and you don't remember the first time you ate it and hated it you only remember the times that you just you know that you you were starving and that's what you got and you just you know ate it all uh, and and uh, and so I don't think my son has had that
0: uh and we'll have that experience so you know it makes me a little sense. yeah that's super i don't know it it's feels super like comforting to hear, to hear that kind of a story, story because it's i think exactly what we had growing up in our house with our parents right Hannah? yeah i would agree yeah and actually it's oh sorry go ahead
1: Chris i'm just saying you know that's um so it's amazing that you know i, I uh, i'm meeting you guys really uh for the first time today and uh, we just talking about these things and we all have that
2: all yeah have, um,
1: you know and yeah. and uh, you know that that shows you something you know tells you something about uh the sense of our community and what we all went through and we all have kind of the same um feelings and perspectives and uh you know we didn't grow up together we didn't grow up near each other um you know uh and uh, that's pretty amazing no
0: yeah, i totally agree actually it's um i, I think that, like for me yeah, i don't know what Hanna's experience, experience with, was with like with, with food and, and our parents food i think I growing up i, I didn't again, again i, I didn't, didn't fully appreciate all of that um and, and like, like those humble ingredients and like the most delicious ingredients, ingredients except i, I don't really like, like thousand year, year eggs that's <laughs> <except>, like <laughs> the one thing <laughs> um but, but growing yeah, up i didn't appreciate all those like porridges and all these stir fries and everything and i did like
1: That's because your parents didn't make you eat the thousand-year egg, I I think. They made you eat it every day. (laughs) I would love love it. it
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I think I was on the cusp of, like, the kids that were kind of just like, oh, I just want a burger, and, like, I think there was some embarrassment of, like, Chinese food, especially growing up in a predominantly white, like, area of Oregon, Um, but then now, as an adult, like, now I have, like, the most pride of all of those things.
2: And
1: I think Hanna has a similar experience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, well, uh, just to, uh, sorry, to, 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 it was weird for me, right? Because I think that I, you know, part of me grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, and that was around a lot of Italian kids, a lot of Italian kids. And so, and, you know, Italian kids that were very outspoken and would tell you when something was weird. However, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that I guess maybe, as opposed to, you know, maybe the Midwest or the Northwest, The Italian kids also were growing up with things that were weird in their household and were not American, so Mm -hmm. there might have been some some sort of similar line that we both understood each other, but would never admit to each other. Yeah, that's really
0: interesting. Um, I'm curious, also, like we're talking a lot about, you know, like this these home cooked, like very immigrant Chinese food, and I've seen like some some like conflict conflict, i guess um and i want your take as like a a restaurateur and and like as a chef there's some conflict conflict between like the what people see as like the authentic like you know hole in the wall like very cheap immigrant like like, you you know hand-pulled noodles noodles, like super warm and cozy home -cooked cooked meals versus like
2: what What has become
0: become more of, like, a new age, like, like upscaled, like, Asian, Chinese, but also also just generally Asian, Asian. and, And like, like people try... try, I'm not gonna... I try not to give away my own opinion, but But people people might say that, like, the latter is is not real, authentic Chinese food, and And I'm very very curious, curious, like, as a chef who develops, like, his his own recipes and his own approach to food, like, what your take is on Chinese, Chinese-American food and how it's changed over the years, um... And maybe, and maybe like, like
1: that, that sense, sense of authenticity, authenticity quote unquote. Yes, yeah, so you've hit the $60,000 question that everybody <laughs> might figure out. Yeah, and it's not it's a simple, simple answer. answer. I'll give you my take on it. So, you know, I'm a chef that grew up with, uh, or not grew up, but came up the ladder with a lot of visionary chefs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, chefs that uh, have been very successful in changing uh, their own cuisine, or uh, I guess manipulating cuisines um, to include uh, influences from other parts of the world, and in America, that's uh, I guess embraced wholeheartedly. Uh, but then, then there is a faction of people that say, you know, um, you know, uh, or and including me, that value the uh, I guess no, shyly value uh, the. Uh, traditional and authentic food, you, you cannot, cannot I, you know, know, I think that it's good and there's a place to push the envelope, especially with Chinese food. And I have a lot of, uh, you uh, know, uh, colleagues and and, uh, and people within my industry that I know very well uh, that, that, that do well at doing it. Um, you have to, you know, you obviously have to be successful at it and you have to know what you're doing. doing. It's not something that you just want to play with uh, without respect uh, for the food, uh, but it does have a place. However... Um, some people think in either all or nothing and you can't think like that. There is a place for uh, cuisine to push the envelope because without that cuisine can never grow uh, and cuisines have to grow they, they, they're, um, uh, they, if they don't grow they die um, and uh, you know uh, it, it's all based on uh, certain things from what people will cook in their households for their kids and what people will pay for when they go out to eat and, uh, you know, it could be the simplest thing. I'm not talking about a fancy dinner and stuff like that. I mean, you can go to a, uh, you know, a little place, um, any little uh, hole in the wall in, in Chinatown and, and buy, you know, snacks like, uh, like you know, um, like breads and, 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 uh, and, 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 you know, even, you know, packaged goods and things like that. So, um, you, know, with, you know, there always has to be new flavors and new tastes um, to kind of uh, spur that cuisine to go. However... Again, like I just said, it does not mean that you lose any sort of value for the traditional and authentic. You have to have that, uh, because if you don't respect that, you th- you have no base of what cooking is. Uh, all those authentic and traditional um, uh, dishes have been tried over dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of years. And they've evolved, too. Uh, but, um, but, you know, uh, can you imagine, uh, you know, a cuisine without you know, Chinese cuisine without soy sauce? Um, I can't. Uh, can you, you know, imagine uh, Chinese cuisine without some of your favorite ingredients? Uh, you, know, um, you know, like maybe things like oyster sauce or, or dried mushrooms or, uh, or or Chinese sausage and things like that, um, you know, they have to be there. Uh, and you have to, as a cook, I think you have to understand those basic techniques and, and respect uh, where, where that food came from. And, um and again like you know I have a book called them good Chinese food right so um that's where it kind of all ties into where my book is uh, basically lays out um the cooking of Chinatown and also not just the cooking but as people who eat Chinese food in the community what we really like to eat and what we go out and, and eat for celebrations and and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and birthdays and, and and weddings and and and, and, uh, and things like that. that and what and what, what brings us together, together as a community so um uh, without, without those things you know, know uh um it, you, you, you don't, don't realize it but it does tie a community together, together. It, it does tie together. a group of people that, that have, the have the same upbringing together, together. And, and when you definitely, definitely need that and that you, you know if you have, have both, both then you have a you have a, a uh, a, a great, great equation, equation to uh, to have a great cuisine, cuisine and make it even better than it was. And uh, but you uh, know you have so to go you have to go to Chinatown. China China. You have, have to, to shop the markets. You have uh, to uh, you know understand, understand uh, the ingredients. You have to uh, and, and and another thing, thing right? especially you, you know, know it's, it's a big, big thing, thing in my book. It's authentic if a little old Chinese lady likes it. If your grandmother, it's authentic because Chinese grandmothers don't eat anything but Chinese food. They, they eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They, you, you know, you want to, you know, your your young, young, you know, your young, young, you know, uh, um, general, you know, new generation. You, you want, want to take them out to uh, a steak dinner or a Brazilian, Brazilian restaurant or or something or something Italian. Or something Italian. They don't. They they, they may go. go but they ain't having a good time. They don't want, want to eat that. Yeah.
2: yeah. They want to go back
1: home and 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 eat what <laughs> they're cooking in and, they, and that cooking is Chinese food only. Um. And, and so, so they're the bearers of the courses. It's it's not uh you know um.
2: It's not guys, guys like, like me.
1: It's the little old Chinese lady. If, if my if my if my mother likes it, if my if my uh, wife's mother likes it, it's real Chinese food.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's even our parents yeah. too. We we see that in our parents too. They're always very critical of the Chinese food that we eat out at. So <laughs> yes. They're critical
0: so, of all so, the food that we eat out. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you're uh, um, you know uh, you know I was the chef at uh, Ruby Foods uh, and China, China Grill. But, but I, I can't, can't take, take my grandmother, grandmother there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's she's gonna, gonna look at it and, it and be like, No. Um, and uh and so um, you know, know they, they are the uh they are the ones that you uphold all the traditional um values and all and the things uh things that uh, uh you know that, that within your um uh, you know, know that within, that within, within your traditions, traditions and uh, you know, within everything that you grew up in, if it's right, they're gonna like it if it's not they're going
0: to tell you yeah thanks so much for that chris so i think we're going to wrap up now but before we let you go or before we let you share with the audience where people can find you i wanted to do a very serious very important lightning round of questions uh food related questions if you're game
1: sure definitely let's go
0: all right awesome first dumplings or noodles (laughs) <laughs>
1: Ooh. Okay. Um I, I'll have to say, to say dumplings, dumplings because, because that's uh basically, basically what I, I do with, uh, and I'm in love with dumplings, dumplings but <laughs> noodles are very fun. To eat. there's <laughs> nothing I mean Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's a close one, point, but I'll, I'll go
0: dumplings. Dumpling. Okay. So then when it comes to noodles, uh hand pulled or knife cut?
1: Ooh, uh, I've actually done hand-pulled noodles before, and it's an art that is uh, very highly underappreciated, the work that goes into actually having to pull those noodles and the work that it gives you. So uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> going to go with hand-pulled. Uh, Knife-cut is also a very, very good uh, technique that is used, but it's, it's it, and you still have to work to go the same way. way. But yeah, uh, hand-pulled noodles are really uh, are, are the way to go.
0: Yeah, agreed. Okay, favorite Asian or Asian-inspired
2: drink?
1: Um, well, I'm going to have to go with the easy one here that you tossed me a cookie, uh, bubble <laughs> tea would have to be.
2: Bubble oh, uh, tea. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, yeah okay. The thing <laughs> that's sweeping the world. Uh, we, will all, we will all be addicted to uh, tapping over pearls uh, yeah. within the next five years if you're not addicted to <laughs> <or>. it.
0: True. <laughs> okay. Now you're walking down an Asian supermarket, you're going down the snack aisle. What snack do you reach for every time?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So, um, again, again uh, this, this is kind of taken, taken from my book. One, one of, of the things, things that we uh, used to eat in the movie theaters, movie theaters uh, and, and not, not like, like the American movies, we used to be Chinese movie theaters the that showed, theaters that showed uh, all the, I guess, the current releases at the time. And these were like, you know, know Shaolin Temple and the Five Deadly Venoms and, Deadly Venoms and things like that. <laughs> and we were like, like yeah. you know, five year old kids yeah. in the movie theater. Uh, they, they sell these snacks in the market as well the dried cuttlefish or the dried squid and Malaysian beef jerky so uh we eat those all the time
2: Mm, They should bring that back yeah
1: and so for those who don't know that is a snack that Chinese people eat in the movies while we uh, when we're (laughs) we're watching our uh uh, you know um I guess Saturday matinee back in the day
0: (laughs) okay next question what is your comfort food uh one one comfort food
1: Wow. Um so I, I get, uh, all right, so one cup food, food that is, that everybody'll uh I guess uh that's Chinese will probably uh identify with is, is juk, right? right? Kanji. Oh my
2: god, yes. Yeah. So, oh, yes.
1: So you 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 eat that when you're hungover. You eat that <laughs> when you're sick and your mother knows that you're sick. The first thing is is you get a week of kanji. that, that, that that's yeah. all that's all you get. Yeah. Um so you know, when when you're Especially when you're hungover, you think back to those days, and it makes you feel so good. So, uh, yeah, those—that's the one that's the go-to.
2: That's I agree. Perfect answer. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I know I'm asking a lot of really hard, searing questions, but bear with me. What is your favorite ingredient to build a dish around? Kind of like your go-to.
1: Wow. Um, (laughs) So. You know, I you're gonna have to pull that that right back back to um, the traditional ways of of Cantonese cooking, and uh, it It would be anything pork. So, and you think think that that might be a a pat answer, but you know, you're you're talking about about, you know the meat from the pork belly, and then then you're 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 braising braising it, and then you're taking the lard and using the lard to uh, Mm -hmm. uh, re-cook the the stir fry Mm -hmm. in the wok. And you're thinking Mm -hmm. thinking about putting you Mm -hmm. you know uh, whatever you braised, and then adding the bones to it, and then you have your pork. Or your pork liquid, and, and that, that also uh, goes to uh, cook everything from that point on, uh, including you know any soup bases that you you know that you want to have, and um, and and so it goes a long way, uh, and you use every part of the pig, and um, and so that's that is the base for what maybe a big chunk, a big percentage of what Cantonese cooking revolves around in general. So yeah, pork. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And our last question in the lightning round, um, you don't have to give away a secret recipe or anything like that, but generally speaking, what do you think should go in the perfect dumpling?
1: Ooh, okay. So uh, hand-chopped meat, uh, the texture has uh, is best with hand-chopped. Obviously, large restaurants can't uh, really get away with that because um, neighbors will be woken up and... Uh... And uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, people, people will be walking, walking into, into uh, you know, does, you, you know, tripping on over the sidewalk, sidewalk uh, from, from the sound of it. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, um, but but yeah, you have but for, for a good texture, good if you're at home, hand chop that meat. Um, you need a root, root vegetable. Something about the root vegetables, like, like water chestnuts, uh, so create so uh, these little tunnels within the meat that allow the juices to flow. And, uh, and then you have to have a great seasoning. And you know, there's nothing better than than the soy sauce oyster sauce combo. So. So start with that, and then build from there, and you're going to have some great dumplings.
0: I love that. Well, thanks so much, Chris, for playing that game with us. Uh, Do you want to now let our audience know where they can find you on social media, your website, whatever you want to share?
1: Yes, so the shameless plug uh, part of it uh, is, uh, for me, very important. My book did just come out, so if you go on Amazon... Uh, and uh, look up damn good Chinese food. Uh, please uh, check out my book and, and hopefully purchase one. Uh, you will not uh, you will you will not regret it. Uh, great recipes, great insight to Chinatown, and uh, and a lot of things that we talked about uh, just now uh, about you know cultural differences and and, uh, and how uh, what I did growing up with those things and food. Um, and, and then uh, go, go on social media, media and you can get me on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram and uh, at Chef Chris Chung. That's, and, that's and that's Chung spelled with us, uh, C-H-E-U-N-G. And, uh, and, then and then you, you can always, if, if you can't spell, spell that, that, just go, go to my, my restaurant, restaurant website. And that's eastwindsnackshop.com. And, and you'll, you'll get all, get all the social media and stuff there.
0: Awesome. And we'll definitely tag all of those things and plug your book when we post this episode. Is there anything else you want to share, Chris, before we sign off with you? Uh,
1: no, the I, I, last day I think I, I had a great time. It's a different uh, sort of podcast uh, than I've done, um, you know, in the past. And uh, talking about these things, hopefully uh, I've um, made some people feel good about thinking back uh, about their childhood and maybe help some people along the way. So that's
2: kind of cool. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, definitely think so. And so thank you again, Chris. Uh,
2: Hanna, do you have anything else? Thank you so much again for coming on our podcast and letting us get to know you.
1: Thanks for having me. Anything you guys need, just don't hesitate. Uh reach out. I'm here for you. Thanks, guys.
0: All right. Thanks. Take care, Chris. Take it easy. Bye bye.
2: Bye.